I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. After a week away, we're back. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're shooting for some hate mail tonight. No, I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, We've also got with us probably the least controversial tonight, SP. I'm really excited to be back on the Goody Geek Show tonight. It's great. It's been a fun day overall for me. And this is the day that my episode dropped. My audio drama is out there. My debut acting performance, which I'm pretty sure critics are going to rip. But it is out there on Mercury Theater Podcasts. So you can go download that on wherever you can find podcasts. So can I ask you a question there? Um, why, Why would you drop your episode like you should probably pick that back up so people can listen to it so he's a yeah. butterfingers is what you're saying i i dropped episodes all the time yeah you know i drop my phone all the time with the <sighs> podcasts on it no and you know i pick it back up it's fine That's because okay. we we know that your phone can be strapped it. to the back of a vehicle and driven through rough terrain and survive that's what apple tells you anyways so oh, underneath, underneath, underneath the vehicle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, we were away last week, but we're back again this week. Uh, I had a week off. So thanks to these two for um, letting me just chillax and enjoy and, and, and not relax and try to paint trim, which was not fun. This wasn't altruism. This is, I didn't want to run the board to do a good show. <laughs> I'll, take- be, I'll be straight up honest. I didn't want to run the board. <laughs> the other issue, though, is we didn't want Stephen to have to edit on his week off. Oh, that don't... was my secondary concern. My primary was I didn't want to run the board. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have edited. I would have just, you know, put it out there in its full full raw oh. form, even with the controversial things that you guys talked about behind the scenes, which was largely including about my me. curse words. Yes, those two. Yes, it's the it's the Chris cut. <laughs> All right, on that note, let's go ahead and move on to the news. All right, let's go ahead and start off here with some news that I know Chris Farrell is super excited about. Let's have a rational, mature discussion about how the Snyder Cut came to be and things like that. So it's no secret to anyone who's watched or listened to the Gunna Geek show before or any of the other content that I've been on that I've had my concerns about the Snyder Cut. Now, I agree that if you look and go and see the history of things, there's some fans that have a genuine excitement. Like, oh, I really want to see what Zack Snyder's intended plan was for the future of the DC superheroes. They have great excitement. They're real positive about it on Facebook, Twitter, all these other places, Reddit especially. But then there's the others that aren't. We had a large problem, and people don't want to admit this, including at one point it was tough to get even the companies that are involved in these productions to admit it. There was a very, very toxic element of fans. I don't know that it was necessarily a large group, but it was a very vocal group 
that were all about wanting the Snyder Cut to come out. They had their movement to make it happen. So what did they do to make it happen? Not like positive tweets that say, hey, we'd love to see the Snyder Cut. Not necessarily follow the guidelines of some of the other fans that, you know, raised money for suicide foundations because Zack Snyder tragically had to stop directing the Justice League movie because his daughter committed suicide and he wanted to be with his family. No, what they did is they harassed people on Twitter and Facebook who said they weren't fans of Zack Snyder's previous DC work or that they were okay with where they went with the Justice League movie. So instead of having constructive criticism, they just harass these people and would review bomb them and send them just nasty, nasty comments. And then anytime a Marvel movie would come out, we'd devolve into fanboy wars. It was, well, the Snyder Co. would be so much better, but we never got it because Warner Brothers deprived us of it. And instead of, you know, celebrating the fact that we got a cool comic book movie out, it turned into, we're going to bitch and moan about the Snyder Cut and make it a miserable experience. Well, guess what? They won. These positive fans and this toxic vocal minority of Snyder Cut fans, they won. Warner Brothers slash HBO said, yes, we're going to give Zack Snyder $70 million to finish the film that he didn't get to finish. And we're going to put it on HBO Max. Now, arguably this happens so they could push subscribers to HBO Max. I'm not sure we would have gotten it had it not been for the advent of the HBO Max app or also, you know, a global pandemic that made it so it was hard to produce new content. But we got the Snyder Cut, and arguably it's better than what was presented in Joss Whedon's cut of Justice League. I say arguably because I have not yet watched it. I will eventually get to it, but sitting down to commit four hours to a movie right now is just not something I want to do. We also found out after the Snyder Cut came out in Zack Snyder's interviews and things like that, that this was supposed to be the beginning of a trilogy of Justice League movies, and he basically set up the end of Justice League Part 1 to set up these other movies, which then led to a new movement. Hashtag Restore the Snyderverse. And I'm pretty sure you all can see where this is going to go right now. You've got another large group of fans that are real positive about it, spreading positive buzz about how much they enjoyed it using Hashtag Restore the Snyderverse. And we've gone back to what we saw before with the toxic minority that are using that as an excuse to drag on critics that didn't like Zack Snyder's movies, drag on people who didn't like the Justice League that he put out, things like that. And it's become toxic and gross again. And it even took a step further. Uh, They're uh, very unhappy with Warner Brothers, I guess is the best way to put it, because executives at Warner Brothers have basically said, hey, once the Snyder Cut is out, we're, we're not going any further down the Zack Snyder route of these superhero movies. We don't have any intention to do the other two movies in that or to have Zack further involved in the DC universe. So fans aren't happy about that. And some are reacting all right, tweeting positive things or saying, we really want to see this. Then you've got that toxic minority I've talked about. have decided how's the best way to make Warner brothers feel the pain because they won't give us the movie we demand. We're going to go on IMDb and write one star reviews for Godzilla versus King Kong, a Warner brothers movie that drops in two days. That's not actually out in North America yet, but what we're going to do is, but tons of one-star reviews that all say restore the Snyder Cut or things like that to get WB to know how we feel. Probably not exactly a fair thing. You're not really getting a fair take on what Godzilla versus Kong is. And honestly, if this is your way to express yourself that we need the Snyderverse movies, you're just a petulant child. You're not going about it the right way. You're throwing a temper tantrum and nothing is going to come of it. And you're ruining the possibility or you're making it look to other people that this Godzilla versus Kong movie may not be good. And here's the kicker. Godzilla versus Kong has already debuted. It was sitting at a 7.5 stars on IMDb, a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes prior to all of this. 
and people are excited about it. But instead, you're just crapping all over it because you want to throw a tantrum that you're not going to get your Zack Snyder movies. It's okay to be upset by that, but this behavior is wrong. It's unacceptable. And here is the biggest problem we're going to get out of this. Warner Brothers caved once already. We got the Snyder cut. Yes, I'm happy that Zack Snyder got to deliver the movie that he couldn't because of tragedy. But because Warner Brothers executives caved, they have now set a precedent of, if you are loud and obnoxious enough online, we're going to give you what you want. They have enabled this toxic small group of fans to feel like they can just crap all over all this other content and think they're going to get what they want. And like I said, when they announced they were doing the Snyder Cut, my concern was they've just enabled a group of people to continue with this abhorrent behavior that is ruining the experience of other movies for fans out there. It's wrong. It's not right. I don't know how you get back from it. And I hope to God they do not concede to these toxic minority of fans out there and decide we're going to restore the Snyderverse because negative press means there's enough people that want to watch it that more people will subscribe to HBO Max. That's the wrong way to do it. And I'm also kind of afraid that if this happens, we might get the JJ cut of episode nine, which I don't want either. I think I'm the only one here that's actually watched it. And I didn't sit down and watch four hours of it. I watched it sitting right here for the first three hours of it, but I didn't sit here for three hours. I watched it sped up at 2.5 to three times speed, which was just fine for me. I wasn't going to be sitting down and critiquing every little thing or enjoying the cinematic experience. I legitimately just wanted to see what was different in it. There were things that were different. They go into a couple of origin stories that we didn't get in the movie that kind of make more sense. The villain's uh, motive is better defined. But I stopped short by saying it's a better movie. The Schneider cut is what a director would have delivered to a studio before they start cutting on it. Mm. So it wouldn't have released four hours anyway. It would have been cut down. The four-hour Schneider cut that we see on HBO Max needs editing desperately. It probably should come in around 2.15 to 2.30, maybe three hours if you wanted to include absolutely everything in there, but it needed to be shortened. Was it just about the same film front to end? There was a huge epilogue at the end. I'm not going to spoil anything. But the, there's the epilogue at the end, which I think Schneider included just because the studio has no interest whatsoever in going forth with his vision. So he just wanted to put out there what his vision was going to be. So you have an entire, they're called chapters, I believe, and chapter that's devoted to the epilogue. Make sure you watch it. If you watch it, make sure you watch it because it's important to distinguish between the, the two movies. Uh, will I ever watch it again? Probably not. It's I'll, I'll probably watch the original one, which I haven't watched again either, versus the Schneider Cut. Uh, the 4x3 thing really graded with me. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, I know that one of the intents, and, and I've researched this a little bit, uh, yakko.org mentioned it in our... Uh, Discord server, and I, I went to go look into it. The original intent was to shoot it 
so it could be presented in IMAX. Mm. So that's why it's four by three, but it would still be cut down to 16 by nine for a Blu-ray release or a streaming release or something like that. So why release it on HBO Max on four by three? You're not presenting it in IMAX. Nobody's got an IMAX in their home. (laughs) (laughs) So if if that was the intent, then crop it appropriately Mm. and let me see it how I would have seen it if that was the original cut. Um, it just, it didn't drive me mad that the, the sides were black. Like it can, if you're watching something older, like Stargate SG one, if you watch that streaming on Netflix, you're going to see it in four by three. Okay. I guess I've just gotten used to that. But if you're shooting something that is going to be released at a higher quality, show it so that you're using all of the screen, please. Don't show it in four by three. So it's kind of a minor. I'm sure they could go ahead and crop it and send that out. They probably will. They're trying to make more money by having people buy <laughs> so, it and stuff in the future. Honestly, here's probably part of the reason they did four by three because you save the special effects budget some. Because especially when you're reshooting a bunch of stuff, you don't have to account for a widescreen. You just got that square ratio. I honestly think that's mm. part of the reason they did it because they didn't have to do as much special effects then. Well, no, because if you crop it, you just crop it down. Of what was shot. They, they didn't crop it side to side. They would crop it top to bottom because the four by three is what it was filmed at because of IMAX. Right. Right. So, the, yeah, because the camera, yeah, that's a good point because the, the IMAX remember, cameras are four are, are, um, by three. Whedon's right. was presented not in 16 by nine, but whatever the widescreen ratio is for movie theaters. Yeah, so, r- stuff whatever. was already done yeah. that way with special effects presented for widescreen. They did reuse some of that stuff. Mm. And if you wanted to make further changes to it by making it four to three, you don't necessarily have to worry about the sides and redoing anything on that. So, I think part of it might have been budget that they then present as this is the artistic integrity so that we can make it not as expensive. <laughs> Maybe I'm a cynical a-hole, though. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like or dislike any of the characters any differently, probably because I, I, in my head, I knew this was going to be a one-off. I just wanted to see what everybody was talking about sort of thing. And I knew that we would be talking about it on the on the show, on the podcast. So I, I, I watched it, and I don't think I missed anything by watching it so fast. I never watch anything that fast, but I kept on speeding it up <laughs> to the point where it started buffering and I had to back off so it would stop buffering. I, I tried at 4X, 5X, and it was just a buffering mess, so I had to crank it back down. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not discouraging anybody from watching it. If this is your thing, truthfully, Batman is not my thing. There's a lot of Batman in here about how he's pulling the team together, same in both movies, right? Uh, Batman is not my thing anymore in life. Uh, I've come to terms with that. So just not my thing. But if it is your thing, go ahead and watch it. You might get something out of it. I mean, I'll I'll live and die by this statement, which is Zack Snyder doesn't understand Superman. And I've said that since Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things I liked about the Whedon cut is he understood the concept of the big blue Boy Scout which they kind of undid by all accounts. Everything I liked about what Superman did in Justice League kind of got undone in the Snyder cut because we went back to more grimdark Superman Mm -hmm. wearing the black suit for no reason. Whereas in the comics, there was a reason he wore the black suit, not because he wanted to go through his emo phase. I had never had the problem of 
of Man of Steel that you did. Um, but I understood where you were coming from on that. I may have gone and bought a box set of it just to get a T-shirt so that I could uh, rib you on this show. I might have done that, but I Maybe. I, I understood <laughs> where you were coming from. And uh, that is that is disappointing to hear they went back the other way. But again, I will genuinely watch it. I, I agree 100% with what you said. Uh, for all those reasons, I think that it was a bad idea, but I will will give it a fair shake and watch it down, watch it at some point. And I really just encourage people out there, if you're one of the positive fans and want to celebrate it and put positive things out there about bringing it back, that's fine. But if you're one of those people that's engaging in toxic behavior, thinking it's going to make a difference, just realize you're making a fool out of yourself, number one. And number two, being an a-hole because you want your Zack Snyder cut of future Justice League movies, it's not going to help. I don't think the money is there for them to honestly say, hey, we're going to spend another $400 million per picture to do another movie like this. I I know the numbers have been really good on HBO Max by all accounts, and we're using Twitter metrics, how many people use a hashtag now to determine how popular it is, and they were crowing about the fact it had more mentions in the first week than Avengers Endgame did when it came out, but people also can't do anything but sit at home right now, so... <laughs> I Twitter metrics issue. might not be the best you, way. you bring up uh, something that I had an issue with that I saw today or yesterday, and it was Disney Plus related. They mentioned that the uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had better initial numbers than the Mandalorian. Like, OK, that is the company saying that there's no independent review board. That's just the company saying, oh, yeah, this is so great. It's got so many more numbers. Well, Okay, how many more subscribers do you have on mm. Disney Plus today than you had when The Mandalorian came out? Yep. How many more people are consuming content via this way? So that's just first of all. Second of all, oh, you guys control the numbers. So you can nagle the numbers to say whatever it is that you want. So I don't put any credence in these companies that don't make their streaming or download numbers public. I don't put any credence It's, to it's them. just propaganda. Now yeah. there is, I know Nielsen in the United States has supposedly got something for streaming content now to be able to get numbers off of that, but I don't know how that works. And I don't recall them seeing or saying anything in regards to this topic. Let's go ahead and actually move on to uh, an exciting couple of weeks in space news, which by the way, before we do that, I just want to say that I've, I got my son hooked on space movies. Uh, we watched Apollo 13 yesterday and he's, He's all in there asking for more space movies. So uh, I figure I should just probably be cheap and not rent movies and just let him watch these YouTube streams of all of these space things that are happening right now. It'll just be cheaper for me. Should probably let him have a look at uh, The Last Starfighter. I think that would be awesome. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's actually going on. And there is a lot going on. So Stephen mentioned that there was a lot that happened in the last two weeks. There's a lot of big things that happened in the last two weeks or are about to happen. So we're going to cover quite a bit of ground right now with space. I'm going to go through it pretty fast. But if Stephen or Chris have any questions or comments, they're free to jump in. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the SLS. This is the launch system that's going to be used for the Artemis program to go back to the moon for NASA. So NASA did fire up the core stage at Stennis Space Center on Thursday, May 18th, 2021. The ignition of the four RS-25 rocket engines occurred at 4.37 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time and ran for 
0.9 seconds or for the Canadians out there, 8 minutes and 29.9 seconds. There are, in case anybody's wondering, 16 remaining RS-25 engines left over from the shuttle program, and NASA also contracted Aerojet Rocketdyne to build 24 more, which would complete a total of 10 SLS core stages. Now, each RS-25 engine can produce up to 418,000 foot-pounds of thrust, which is the most you're ever going to get out of a rocket at least to date here. It's even more than SpaceX, and we'll get to that in a little bit. The core stage is expected to be transported to Kennedy Space Center once the test results are completely analyzed and the green test run results were deemed successful. There at Kennedy, the core stage will be joined with the two solid rocket boosters, which are already stacked in the Vehicle Assembly Building, or the VAB, where the Saturn V rockets were assembled prior to launch. I don't know about you guys, but I've actually been in the VAB. I've experienced the weather results in there. So I just am a little cautious by stacking any anything in there that uh, might actually get wet, and that would be a bad thing. So uh, just put that out there. Admit it, by the way. You, you just said, I don't know about you guys, but I've been in the VAB. You knew exactly that we have not been in the VAB. No, I didn't know that. I... I I thought Chris might have been in there at the very least. And oh, Stephen, I don't know if you've ever been to Disney World or not, but it's close by, so I didn't know. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I thought that you were just humble bragging. No, they do public tours in the VAB all the time. Uh, so uh, NASA. I know VB code, by the way, V basic. Is that the uh, same thing? It's been a long time since I've heard of V basic. <laughs> right? <laughs> So NASA, by the way, is on track to launch Artemis 1 by the end of 2021. It will be unmanned. Artemis 2 will be crewed, I guess is the correct, politically correct term to use now. Anyway, so that's the SLS, and that's what NASA is doing on the rocket side. They also have a capsule. It's called the Orion capsule, and they've been going through a series of drop tests. Now, I actually had to scratch my head because I'm like, didn't we already do this? Turns out we did already do this, but they are doing it again because we're in the final configuration. So engineers at NASA's Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia, began a new series of four water impact drop tests with a test version of the capsule for NASA's Orion spacecraft. They started on Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. The test data will help engineers better understand what Orion and its crew may experience when landing in the Pacific Ocean after Artemis missions to the moon. The tests at Langley's Landing and Impact Research Facility Hydro Impact Basin will simulate a few landing scenarios as close to real-world conditions as possible. While NASA performs a series of previous tests at the basin in 2012, the current tests use a new configuration of the crew module that represents the spacecraft's final design. Data from the water impact tests are part of the formal qualification test program to fulfill structural design and requirement verification before Artemis II, which is NASA's first Artemis mission with a crew. Information will help feed final computer models for loads and structures prior to the Artemis II flight test. So I always enjoy these water impact drop tests i think uh well i know that dragon capsule from spacex also had to do the same thing so yeah it, it is fun. it's fun getting wet but there's nobody that it's not like a ride in an amusement park there's nobody in it that's it's being oh, dropped man i was hoping it was like a lazy river ride 
<laughs> I know you said that it was using a new uh, crew module configuration or whatever. Do you know what, like, what changed? Was it like a complete overhaul? Why they had to do it again? Like, it was that drastic of a difference, or is it just a we want to we want to double check we weren't happy with the information we got the first time? That's a good question. I have not run that to ground. It could okay. be that they're trying to do weight savings so that they've cut back on the thickness of the metal, the amount of metal, the amount mm. of struts in there, kind of like what SpaceX is doing with Starship right now. So I, I think if I had to guess, that's what I would guess. But they probably did a lot of testing along the lines and they discovered just, just different configurations didn't work. Like the reaction control uh, thrusters were in a place that would be bad for human you know, survivability or something like that. So they probably had to move some stuff around. And then after that, they had to requalify it. So it's just a special test model. It's not the actual flight configuration. And honestly, when these drop tests are done, these will probably end up as static displays somewhere. Uh, oh, by the way, just here, throw this out there now so you can go ahead and have this idea. Uh, I stole it from the Martian. Here's, here's what you do. Don't worry about how this thing's going to land in the water. This is what you do. You take a page from the Martian. You remember when Matt Damon had to go and he had to strip down the ascent vehicle in the Martian, right? Matt Damon. It was Mark Watney. Mark Watney. Sorry. Okay. That's right. The he one just that looks a lot like, a Matt, lot Damon. like Matt Damon. Fair yeah. enough. So you remember that. And at that point, he pops the top off and he pushes mm -hmm. button. The whole thing goes. This is what you do. As, as they're coming down, you pop off the top and they parachute in. That's how they do. They parachute down. Parachute into the water? Yeah. 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 So, no, not the capsule. The individuals do. So you've been in zero G or or microgravity for at least a week. Mm -hmm. a trip back and forth to the moon. Yeah. 10 days, maybe more. I don't know how long they yeah. plan to stay there. And and then you have to swim. You know what they always say? Sink or swim. That's what it is. You're going to sink. <laughs> Just putting that idea out there. Maybe someone hadn't thought of it well, before. Trying to help help the situation so, out here. So far as ideas go, <laughs> that is one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue, SP. <laughs> All right, I mentioned SpaceX, and we do have some SpaceX news here. So first off, we have the first Starship Super Heavy Booster. Now, SpaceX actually tore the roof off its assembly building at Boca Chica to perform the final proof of assembly for the first super heavy prototype BN1 on Thursday, March 18th. So they tore the roof off because they didn't have the building crane installed and they had to use an external crane. And if you watched this final assembly where they basically put the bottom on, or the top on top of the bottom, it was two halves. The top was totally... <laughs> pendulum it was like a clock you know a grandfather clock i'm like oh my gosh that would be uh tough to go through but the 165 foot tall core starship stage was listed by spacex ceo elon musk on twitter as quote a production pathfinder figuring out how to build and transport a 70 meter tall stage unquote elon continued in another tweet to say that quote booster two will fly unquote SpaceX already has a Starship mission on the books with a target date of 2023. It's the, quote, Dear Moon, unquote, flight around Earth's nearest cosmic neighbor, the moon, which was bought and paid for by Japanese billionaire Yasaku Mazawa. 
Fun fact, that's SP's pen name. He was the one that actually fundraised this. I do not own the Japanese Amazon equivalent. Mm. Sorry, that's not me. I really thought it was. Mm. No, not me. (laughs) You know, when he was looking for... So they they did. I think we talked about it last time. They were offering it up to the public, but he was looking yeah. for artists and stuff like that. I'm like, you need to have a podcaster on board, buddy. You need to have a podcaster. <laughs> I almost applied, but I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to be on board the first mission around the moon with a bunch of unqualified people. Yeah, because I watched Apollo 13, too. Unqualified people <laughs> or unqualified gamers? Uh, that, too. Who knows? If those guys got on board, I definitely wouldn't want to be on board. Hey, SB. <laughs> Here's the thing that I wanted to mention to you right now. I had this thought over the weekend. I thought to myself, in life, we have monumental moments in certain things like flying, you know, like like the Wright brothers. They're, they're monumental people involved with flight. You also have people like myself who are going to be the first one to fly a helicopter remotely on Mars. Is there any way that you can combine these two monumental people, three monumental people together? Oh, the Wright brothers? They've been dead for almost 100 years, buddy. Yeah, but but combine these ideas. You know, me flying the helicopter on Mars, again, very monumental person, with the monumental Wright brothers. How can we combine these facts together? You know, Stephen, I actually want you to fly the first helicopter on Mars because you will crash it and you will always be known as the person that crashed the first helicopter on Mars. All right. So this is your segue to your next one. Wait, wait. First known helicopter on Mars. I'm sure Suncast has been flying some remote ones there in the secret yeah. NASA base. Yeah, we don't, you know, we don't use any helicopters. It's too limiting technology. He brought we a use drone for, it's a hobby drone. It's, it's a hoverboard. so in a press release on tuesday may 23rd 2021 nasa stated they are targeting no earlier than april 8th for the mars ingenuity helicopter's first flight and no steven will not be at the control for the flight damn during the process ingenuity's rotors will spin up to 2357 revolutions per minute or rpm and if all checks out it will lift off climb at a rate of three feet per second and ultimately hover at an altitude of 10 feet for up to 30 seconds before descending back down to the martian surface speaking on behalf of both steven and myself we do wish the ingenuity team well as both of our first flights let's just say didn't go as planned my living room wall (laughs) (laughs) my fireplace (laughs) a small patch by the way uh ingenuity does have a good luck charm on board there is a small patch of the right flyer wing material which was first obtained controlled powered flight on december 17th 1903 and it's taped to the underside of ingenuity's solar panel so it's pretty cool that a part of the first aircraft to actually obtain controlled powered flight. It's not, I've spoken about this before. It's not the first aircraft ever. There's gliders before that, but it was the first controlled power flight is going to be on Ingenuity. And by the way, in case you didn't remember this, the Apollo 11 crew also flew a different piece of the material 
along with a small splinter of wood from the Wright Flyer to the moon and back during their mission in July 1969. So it's pretty cool that the Wright Flyer will have flown in part anyway on Earth, on the moon, and hopefully on Mars. It's very cool. When I heard this thing, that's why I wanted to segue. I was so excited about it. It's a neat little thing that they threw up there. Another one of them many secrets that we don't know about. Well, we do yeah, now. That, well, right, because we <laughs> talked about all the little things on Perseverance. And, and technically right now, Ingenuity is still part of Percy. Hasn't been dropped yet, so it's still part of the, the rover. So moving on to another Stephen-centric space article. SpaceX put on a light show on the western coast and they failed to hit Stephen's house. Damn it. So close. So, so close. It was. It was. <laughs> I, I was watching all the videos and I'm like, oh, is this over the island? Is this over the island? So, okay, this is what happened. On Thursday, March 25th, 2021, Elon Musk tried to kill Stephen. There's court cases involved, international relations between Canada and United States right now, the whole uh, Meghan Markle and and the Prince leadership thing is going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Quite frankly, it was a poorly timed attempt since it was a Thursday, and Elon definitely knows that neither the GunnaGeek.com show nor Better Podcasting is scheduled to stream live on Thursday, so he was going to get the effect that he's been trying to get. Nevertheless, the second stage from the Falcon 9 mission, which launched on March 4th and carried 60 Starlink satellites into orbit, the second stage failed to have a successful deorbit burn. So what happened is the object burned up and it occurred about 40 miles in altitude, which is far above where airlines fly. So we didn't have any airline uh, problems there. And sadly, no pieces of the rocket were expected to make impact on the ground or near or on Stephen's house. <laughs> However, this latest attempt is just proof that Stephen remains a space object target. And we here at the Giddy Geek Show will continue to report on any attempt, whether successful or not, until it actually happens. Uh, I want to just say right now that uh, I know there's been lots of things that have been falling down and attempting to hit my house, which which that's fine. I get it. I've made I've maybe slashed a few tires of Tesla's that belong to Elon Musk. I get it. I I totally get it. Painting that bullseye on your <laughs> roof probably didn't help either. That's that too. That that was also a thing. I also might have illuminated with my Christmas lights to spell out the earth is flat. There's many things that I have done here to encourage this debris to hit my house, but this is the closest one that actually came. And I was so bummed because after this happened, it was about, I think the, the first video that I saw posted was, it said 14 minutes ago on Facebook, people posting videos of this in the sky. And I had just missed it because I had come in shortly behind, but I've been outside, come in shortly before that. And I, if I had probably, I probably wouldn't have been able to see it from my window, but if I had gone out to my road, I probably could have actually looked up and seen it. I was so bummed that I missed this. It would have been quite the quite the thing to have seen in person. Uh, the videos look cool, but I would love to have seen it with my own eyes. Were there any videos for from your neck of the woods that you can confirm? Not my specific neck of the woods, but within my city. Yeah, it was all lots oh, okay. of people within my city. Um, 
But yeah, just knowing what I've seen, like knowing I, I looked up where it went on the map and having looked at like the Starlink uh, train of satellites that go by, right? And known where those those land on the map as well. I think I probably could have seen it from my road. That would have been cool. Yeah. And the video, if you haven't seen the video, go look up a copy of the video or multiple videos because everybody with a cell phone took video. There's people that had really high resolution cameras that were taking some phenomenal shots. It was a clear night for most of the West Coast. And it was just beautiful. The thing broke up into a, a couple of dozen different uh, pieces. And it was just coming down like multiple shooting stars. It, it looked pretty good. There was no actual big explosion like we've seen like with the Russian asteroids that have come down, meteors that have come down. Uh, but there, it did burn up in the atmosphere. And that burn up was spectacular. Which, uh, before we go to your next news point, I will just say, um, when this first was being seen, right? Because this kind of all came and a lot of people didn't know about it. Um, a lot of the Facebook posts were originally in at least, you know, local Facebook posts were talking about how it was a confirmed plane burning up. They were they were sure it was a plane on fire. Uh, I'm not too surprised on that, actually, because the TWA 800, which came down just off the coast of uh, New York, I believe there was a lot of confirmed reports originally about there being a missile that went up to hit it. And then when they did the investigation afterwards, they brought a lot of the plane up out of the, the ground or off out of the seabed and they reconstructed as much, much as they could. It was not an impact. It was actually an exterior explosion of the tank actually exploding out that, that got that. So people are spectacular and they, they, I don't know if they're drinking at the time or not, but <laughs> well, they, they say things that just aren't true. That was really my point was that shocking somebody confirmed something with authority on social media incorrectly. What a shock. Were, were they from like the Canadian no, FAA? No, they were, they were Joe who knows more than oh. the Canadian FAA, of course. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> mm, one of those guys. Uh, so the last thing that we're going to talk about tonight is the SN11. By the time this podcast comes out, if you're not watching it live as we record live on Monday nights at 8.45 p.m. Eastern time at Geeks.Live, uh, the Starship SN11 rocket prototype is set to launch tomorrow. Okay, there's uh, we've been talking about this for a while. I talked about it the last time we recorded two weeks ago. What has changed? What happened? There was a successful second test static fire of the SN11 Raptor engine, the one that they replaced. It wasn't all three. It was just one engine. And SpaceX was set to launch. And this was last week. Unfortunately, the weather did not cooperate. So they couldn't have gone up. So they said, we're going to try again next week, which was today. So the launch and landing attempt could have been today. Had an FAA inspector actually been able to arrive on site on time, as tweeted by Elon Musk earlier today. Now, the FAA administrator himself, Stephen Dickinson, not Dickinson, Dixon, has not yet provided comment on why the agency in charge of fast and safe air travel could not get an inspector in place in time for such an expensive and meaningful test for humanity's travel to Mars. However, the FAA 
did respond to Elon's tweet. So this is the FAA. This is not from Stephen himself. Not, not you, Stephen. The FAA the administrator, Stephen. Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, on March 12th, the FAA revised the SpaceX Starship license to require an FAA safety inspector to be present at the Boca Chica site for every flight. This is the result of the FAA's continuing oversight of SpaceX to ensure compliance with federal regulations to protect public safety, including issues arising from the SN8 launch in December 2020. SpaceX must provide adequate notice of its launch schedule to allow for an FAA safety inspector to travel to Boca Chica, unquote. The FAA has not provided comment on why the FAA does not have an inspector on permanent station in Boca Chica to support these events. And this is my opinion right now, is that the government is making an unfair competition between its SLS system and the Starset Starship system because the FAA does not have to be at test flights or flights of the SLS. However, they are saying that they have to be at the test flights for SpaceX. That's an unfair competitive advantage to the government, controlled by the government. So I get why Elon's all messed up here. However, I do understand that public safety is a big deal. So I'm glad the FAA is involved from that aspect, that there is somebody looking out for the public safety. So there is that. There's two sides of the coin here. However, I'm going to side with Elon right now and say that I don't know why the FAA couldn't have had somebody there for the test flight because they knew it was imminent and it was about to happen. So I don't understand why an FAA inspector couldn't have been there already. As I scroll trying to find our previous week's news stories, I thought we played the other side of the coin where there was a test that was approved by the FAA under questionable circumstances when it almost seemed like it should not have been approved because the report had not been concluded from the previous incident. So I, I'm curious why the change of heart? This is an evolving regulatory job that the FAA is doing. So maybe something has changed, but there is extensive coverage of this right now. There is actual reporters in Washington, D.C. that are in constant contact with the FAA to find out this information. Matter of fact, that's probably how this statement actually got out today. Uh, I think that the process needs to be better defined because the public is not going to take lightly to this. It, this is just as bad as the fanboys with the, the Snyder cut, <laughs> except for there's probably more of them worldwide here than there are for Snyder's cut here. I don't know the <laughs> exact numbers, but I would guess that it's on that level. So the FAA better get their act together and their statements correct here and their processes in line and SpaceX should follow them. But if they're going to change things with every flight, I completely agree with you, Stephen. What up with that? Yeah, because that's quite quite the change from and that, that's what I mean, right? Like, I wasn't asking what, what your change of heart was. And I, as I said that, I thought maybe it came across that way. But no, because 
they were like it almost seemed like they gave SpaceX a pass there when they shouldn't have the last test. And now now this is happening. So like, did Elon not give out enough free Teslas? I don't know. No, I'm just well, there's there's a different administration <laughs> in power. No, this was no. only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and the okay. FAA administrator was from the previous administration, by the way. It, it was not uh, the FAA. So the Secretary of Transportation, which the FAA reports to, has changed. But Correct. the FAA administrator is a five-year confirmation, and it was confirmed during the last administration. Okay. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens here. Um, I do find it funny, the <laughs> the FAA... Um, trying to throw SpaceX under the bus as well. SpaceX throws them under the bus. FAA throws them under the bus. Should have provided adequate notice. It's it's kind of funny. It, this is a he said, she said thing. The problem here is that everybody knows what's going on with SpaceX because it's so well covered. There are numerous private uh, crowdfunded reporters that are there on scene all the time. It was no secret that they were going to get ready to launch. You put the the uh, termination system on board. You know you're going to launch within a couple of days. Why the FAA didn't send anybody out? I don't know. Maybe they're like, oh, they didn't tell. We're we're going to play the the big card here. You guys need to play by the rules and tell us. No, just send somebody out there for crying out loud. <laughs> I I know we're running long now, but that might be that. That's actually a really good theory that maybe they are. They did this as as a point of being like, look, you're not getting another pass. You're you're cutting. You're you're not following enough rules, and so this is the moment that we say, look, start start filing your paperwork and, and your. We're going to make this a very bureaucratic process. I don't know. I mean, I know there's sorts, all sorts of proliferation treaties out there. And unfortunately, we have to bring that up when we talk about space travel, because uh, space launch vehicles can easily be converted to rockets or inter- intercontinental ballistic missiles. So you have to do that. But there's nothing saying that Elon can't take this operation somewhere else. Yeah, he's it- already making those sea launch platforms. He can launch from outside the United States and oh, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a couple of quick hits here that we got for our uh, extra extra before we shut things down. And the first was a fan request. Long story short, you've seen this everywhere. The fan request for us to cover this came in before the resolution. Basically, there was. A big ship got stuck in a canal, stopped a bunch of sea traffic. Then there was a digger that came in, a lonely digger trying to dig out this big barge. Barge refused help from outside sources, and said barge got free today. And that is the story that we were requested to be covered about the Suez Canal that was temporarily blocked. A couple of interesting notes. From the Guinea Geek standpoint, first of all, from the space standpoint, you can clearly see this from space, which is pretty neat. The images are all over there and just go search for them. You'll find them. Also, the moon actually assisted to move it because the moon had it was a full moon. So it was close to the Earth. It was a big tide. And that is the reason why it was able to get unstuck, because the tide was bigger (laughs) than normal and it was able to get out there. Also, from a tertiary 
uh, consideration, this is now the reason that every PS5 and new series Xbox is going to be late because this ship held everything up. Yeah, it was it was quite quite a apparently going to have quite the impact on the distribution channels worldwide. Uh, fancy cheese is also impacted. <laughs> so if you like a fancy cheese, you're in trouble. And in case you happen to be oblivious to all of this, this here over the last week, let me go ahead and give you the name of the big barge ever given, which apparently it could not ever give because it got stuck. You know, in the grand scheme of things, nobody died. It wasn't like the Concordia, where it, yes. which went down and people died. It wasn't like the Exxon Valdez, which spilled a bunch of oil and made this environmental catastrophe and, and a lot of sea life and wildlife was killed. So it wasn't that. It was just a big ship stuck in a, a river, basically. Oh, we forgot the other thing, too, is before it got stuck... Um, if you look at the map of where it kind of went, um, it may have drawn out a a <laughs> male anatomy. Yeah, that's true. Too. There, there was a yeah. Go look it up. It accidentally drew a male anatomy. So to give an idea, like <laughs> roughly size, this is an infographic I thought was pretty interesting. That I saw if you took the USS Enterprise A from the Star Trek movies, that's not as long as this barge is. There's yeah. ships that we saw on screen. The barge is longer than the Enterprise A was as depicted on screen if it, you know, actually measured out to real size. Yeah. It's a big boat. So there you go. Fan request. We hope, I believe it was Damien, we hope that we we covered that. Uh, I know we, we didn't do a good job of covering it, but there was we so much. We did a great job. There was so much in the last week here and there. And so... There you go. So if you got a request for us to cover a news story, come to our Discord server like Damien did. That's gonnageek.com slash Discord and ask us. Chris, I understand that SP threw a news story in for you. Yes, in the spirit of Blind Toss Papa, he gave me a news story that I know nothing about. <laughs> so it, this is kind of a stretch, but since I am the last, uh, a last Starfighter fan, it was this... 80s movie, sci-fi movie, and I, I won't go into it, but the uh, creators behind that movie released a concept video for The Last Starfighter 2, and they said, we're so close. We're at the one yard line. Well, if you're at the one yard line, you're not going to put your concept video out there for the world to see because you kind of want them to come and see the movie to see what the movie is going to be like. So this is like a, a last ditch effort, in my opinion. This is my opinion. That is out there and it literally is like storyboard stills for for like four minutes going over the concept of what the last Starfighter 2 movie is going to be. And it does continue with the character, the main character from the original last Starfighter. So this actually happens. It's going to be pretty cool, but uh, I, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, because why? What other movie out there have we seen a concept video on that actually makes it to screen? I will defer to Chris on this one. Mm, there's probably one I should think of, but it's not coming to me. Right. It happens so often that yeah. you're just fill, full of examples. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, I do know that uh, SP also was the head of the Rogue One fan appreciation group on Facebook. He was the head of that as well. You know, for a war movie, it was okay, but 
for a Star Wars property where I'm supposed to care about these people later enough to watch other series about on the Disney Plus channel? No, I'm sorry. They, they died. I'm going to spoil it. They died. There's <gasps> no reason to watch it again. Oh, so sad. Well, you think they died. You never saw it. They they might have been they they might have been helped by the force. It was a pretty big explosion. I don't think so. Uh, it's the force. The force is magic. Oh, I'm not going to debate that. <laughs> I mean, it is space magic. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for coming by another episode of the Guinea Geek Show. Uh, if you didn't know this, by the way, we did talk about the Discord server a minute ago. We have the Discord server that has a bunch of other geeky content in there going on. We got a lot of geek chatter across a variety of different channels in there. Please come over and check that out. Because we got TV, we got movies, we got games, we got a bunch of podcast-related chatter, we got uh, tech chatter, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And I will even say that I walked back the uh, Just Say Goodbye League tracker that we've got going on on Gunna Geek because there was some Batwoman changes that happened. I won't rant about it this time. I'll save that hate mail for next week. But you can go ahead and uh, check that out over in the still round Starling Tribune channel over on the Discord server. We, we kept it there because there's still some CW verse chatter happening and it needs its own home. I've often said to Chris and Michelle, if they want to get together and discuss something that's CW related, they can. Matter of fact, Stephen, I'm going to extend that to you since I know that you're watching the new Superman series on CW. Want to you know, come on and do a podcast on Starling Tribune. I will release it on that feed. I'm not going to edit it. I'm not going to be on it, but I'll release it on that. Oh, you will be on it because what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the podcast as a solo cast, but not as a solo cast. I will play Chris, Michelle, SP. It won't even be me on there, but I will do my opinion of what I think your opinions would be. So meta. (laughs) (laughs) I know there will be no meta talk on there either. But that's flash tie in. Uh, Chris, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? Uh, Just a friendly reminder, we do have a lot of live content here on the Gonna Geek Network. So if you like watching live video programs, head on over to geeks.live. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page and there is a calendar of all of our upcoming live events. SP, I know at the beginning you plugged your audio drama, but is there anything else you would like to plug or promote or would you like to double tap that? I would like to double tap that literally because if you listen to the audio drama, you will clearly hear my talent of being able to type on my computer and talk to people around the office at the same time. It's just great fully effects, guys. Awesome. And I want to go ahead and give a special shout out to everybody who is keeping that Discord server going. I was away. I didn't do a lot of chatting in there over the last week and uh, lots of conversations still happening over there. And so uh, when I went in today to have a a bit of a better look around, I was uh, quite impressed with what I missed over the last week. So thank you to everybody that people who are helping run the Discord, but also everybody who is uh, just participating. I want to thank everybody for that. It's a great community there. On behalf of everyone, I say you're welcome. So for episode number 370 of the official Gonna Geek show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, yep, 
Justice League. Not a good situation, whether it's on HBO or the CW. And I'm SP saying, why so much DC hate out there? Oh, because their stuff sucks. <laughs> I'm Chris saying, send your hate mail to me, JS at gunnageek.com or at the Chris Farrell on Twitter. Bye. Bye. for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. <laughs>